Welcome to Continuous Plays, The Art of Slaying, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer retrospective featuring Brian Thomas. This is probably my favorite Buffy episode of the whole series. And Jay Newcastle. I mean, seriously. Okay, I got real problems. Buffy the Vampire Slayer is the copyright of Fox Television Studios and any discussion of the characters, episodes, or music is strictly for entertainment purposes only. Welcome to the Art of Slaying, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer retrospective. I'm Jay. And I'm Brian, and we're here to talk about Season 4, Episode 18, Where the Wild Things Are, written by... Wait a minute, what? Not Marty Noxon? <laughs> written by Tracy, I'm giving Marty a run for her love money, Forbes. Buffy and Riley can't get enough of the passion and are taking every opportunity to get it on. Xander and Anya, meanwhile, have skipped sex for only the second night ever, but that has Anya thinking that they are breaking up. <laughs> While dealing with her frustrations, Anya bonds a little with Spike, and they both miss the ability to do harm to humans. Meanwhile, a house party on campus turns dangerous as the sexually repressed spirits of the children who lived there begin to terrorize the partygoers, all prompted by Buffy and Riley's lovemaking. When the gang goes to get Giles for help, they find him performing at an open mic night. Well, the gang learns that the children's tortured past by confronting the holier-than-thou old caretaker. Willow, Giles, and Tara attempt to divert the poltergeist while Xander and Anya fight their way through the house, managing to save both the passionate couple and their own relationship in the process. And that is the plot summary for where the wild uh, things are too much passion there's never enough so saith the smithereens and so saith this episode <laughs> um yeah okay so let me get this straight brian buffy and riley are so good at sex that they <laughs> they bring up demon spirits okay yeah just want to make sure i was clear on that is that right that that's what I'm getting here, but hey, Man. I do have to give them props. They're they're having safe sex. Well, you know something though. Okay, there's that. We're gonna get to that. But you know what? Remember what Parker said about Buffy? You remember his little slur slur of her? Oh, she's a bunny in the sack. Stamina is the word. That is yeah. absolutely correct. We owe Parker an apology. Yeah, right. So now apparently he's not as good as Riley because he, they did not summon demons with their love making. Wow. Well, I don't think they have sex in that house either, Jay. Well, this is this is true. But well, you know, hey, house parties <laughs> on this campus, by the way, should be freaking banned. All right. The demon students <laughs> yes. needs to get involved. I'm writing a letter tomorrow, but Oh I, man, there's a lot oh. to talk about in here that is just off of the wall bizarre, Jay. D- dude, a lot. They, they went off the wall last time when they made Jonathan the king of all the world. And now they went out the dang window. <laughs> I mean, really? The the orgasm wall is unbelievable. That is right out of a... I swear I thought I was watching American <laughs> Pie. I mean, no I doubt. needed somebody... I mean, really, I was like, what? That looked like a scene out of that. And everybody... The girls are doing it. The guys... I'm surprised they got that by oh. the censors. I mean, we were in the prudish part of America at this point. I can't believe that even happened. I can't either. I was sh- I, I, I was watching, and I was trying to figure out what was going on, and I was like, oh my god, are you kidding me? And then that girl he, he, who was watching the guy the whole time, she does it like six times in this episode to herself. I hey, she, <laughs> yeah. What's the thing? I mean, how, how does that even work? They don't even explain it, damn it. <laughs> They've got all the sexual energy 
in these walls, right? And so they touch the wall, and it's released into them. It's that one spot, though. That's the thing. It's, right. it's not everywhere. It's that one spot. So that tells me, Jay, that something went on in that one spot sexually quite often. On this show, that was where somebody got put in the corner, to, and now they're probably buried in that wall. Okay, that's could what be, that is. Could be. So I. Oh man. Well, let's let's just get the whole setup out of the way before we get to everybody else here. <laughs> you know, this show has often wanted to take on the social issues that arise during one's growing up, shall we say. And in college, sex is a big part of your identity. It just happens. It's for a lot of people that's what and it's clearly that's happening for our characters in this show. So I don't necessarily have a problem that they want to talk about it like this. I hate overgeneralizations as a rule, anyway. And that goes both ways. And I hate the fact that they did this overgeneralization of this old grandma caretaker who's like the most right-wing, religious, anti-sex nut you can possibly dream up. You know, I needed it to be like a serial killer that killed a bunch of sorority girls or something, you know, something that had some weight. And it's almost that it plays too light and it's, it's too ham-fisted with its, Oh, how dare you be repressive and all that. You know what? Some people just are that way. And I, I don't know. I, I kind of felt like that was really uneven. The only thing that Mrs. Holt was lacking was a nun's outfit. And then the trope would have been perfect. You're right. I hadn't thought about it like that. Wow. I mean, it was ridiculous. I agree. I thought that was this, kind of the silliest part of the whole thing. I could have bought something else like this was a whorehouse or <laughs> that yeah. they did porn movies here or something, you know, and so, it's the repressed yeah. sexual energy from that. Yeah. But an old lady who repressed the kids from any kind of feeling beautiful slash sexual tension just was a bit over the top and doing it in the shroud of religion like the oh, idea that I, I baptize people by drowning them like that's that's just ridiculous you know i, I agree mean, whether you believe in in baptism or not or what your, your beliefs are and stuff like that just again over generalizations bother me either direction and I hate it when, and this show has done it, but it does it. And it's really the first time they've really done it on here where it just bugged me. And I just, ah, that this is the part of this episode that always makes me just sort of eh about it. You know, like we said all the goofy stuff about Superstar was okay because at least the gags were fun, right? Well, the gag here isn't any fun. Like some of this, the rest of this stuff, the orgasm wall, and all the other stuff with, with Anya and Xander and their <laughs> no sex life for, you know, 48 hours, all that stuff and the fever dreams and all the stuff they're having is kind of cool. But the old lady, that, that just it kind of tears it for me. Yeah, I think that's where it kind of lost me as well as when they introduced the old lady. I thought they could have come up with so much more to uh, explain this than to have it be something like that. But it is what it is. We got that. I want to talk a little bit about some things that go on throughout this, which I think is kind of interesting um, when it comes to the characters and how they are dealing with this sort of thing. Obviously, Buffy and Riley spend pretty much the whole episode getting it on. Yeah. So there's not a whole lot to talk about them. Right? I mean, right. Unless, not the, a whole well, lot. you already brought it up. They do practice safe sex, which is interesting. Well, it's good to get, good to see that Durex um, bought some ad space. 
on the on the show, <laughs> yeah. right? Not only, not only that, but I think again the social consciousness of the producers and the shows to the you know if they're like we look, Buffy's having a lot of sex, we got at least show Riley reaching in in his drawer, and he's a good old Iowa farm boy. You know, we've already shown yeah. that he'll, he'll get it on with Buffy Faith, and then go to church on Sunday. So we got to show that he practically saves that. So that that's what that was to me. But I'm with you. Like they yeah. they really only exist to have those humorous moments where they're like we have that thing to go do between class that everyone obviously knows what they're talking about but that's yeah, yeah i had friends though like that brian i i mean really i did oh yeah and, sure know, so absolutely known that so but yeah they are sort of sidelined this is really about the rest of the gang you know we get the rest of the gang to to do the the scooby mystery this time yeah well here's some things before we get into the crux of things that i thought was really interesting um when they're talking to giles right uh kind of about all sorts of different things he mentions one thing that i thought was just completely a retcon here and that is that vampires wouldn't normally mix with other demons right yeah and my first thought is well what about willie's place there's vampires and demons hanging out, having drinks all the time. We've yeah. seen the vampires and the demons work together numerous times on this show. So to throw that out there seems to kind of make zero sense. So I thought that was just a stupid thing to put in this episode. Can I tell you how I've read that? Is This is what happens when you get the academic away from being the academy. He no longer works for the Watchers Council. He's no longer attuned into that world. Maybe he's a little dull. Maybe he's missing stuff. You know, I mean, I I kind of always seen that this season is a true big transformation for Giles. I mean, he really is not. At, he's useful in in some things, but there's something he still misses too. But I also think too, Brian. That's probably just something they threw in there and then realized later. Oh crap! Did we say that? Oh oh well, never right. mind. Right. You know, especially but, when you get to the angel world. Oh god, I mean, that's a totally different world <laughs> it altogether. Throws it all yeah, out of the window right there. Well, and I will say as a side note here. The things that are going on on the Angel show while this show is happening, this episode, way more interesting than what's going on here. But we'll get to that in a couple episodes. Uh, that just seemed a little off. I mean, I, like I said, I'm probably retconning it more than what it is to say maybe Giles is losing his touch or whatever. And he's trying to figure out who he is because he does, you know, kind of have a midlife crisis here on the show. Yeah. yeah I mean, <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that in a sec, I guess. But I don't know that that yeah, it's never really struck me as anything too off but it is odd because it it is a big contradiction you're right all right so let's talk a little bit about some of the things that happen to our gang when they're in this um frat house for the party and i think the biggest thing that happened was to poor tara um she's sitting there with willow and they're they're getting all pretty close and and they haven't spelled it out yet they'll do that next episode but we all kind of know that something's going on in a, you know, the homosexual way between Willow and Tara, right? And right. it really gets put in your face right here in a subtle way. And that's when they're, they're talking to each other and getting close. And all of a sudden, Tara just goes off. Like being homosexual is bad. That's what the vibe I got. And she runs off. So subtle as a brick to the forehead. Again, that's part of that overgeneralization of religious people who think, you know, all gay things are evil and evil and dirty. And but you hear Tara talk, though, and it's like that's coming from a place where she, maybe she grew up or the thing yeah. she's lived. We really don't know a lot about Tara, or at least her right. past at this right. point. So that what I was with you. And I got to tell you, she played that really well. 
because it's. I think she did too. Yeah, it's startling. You know, it's it's really one of the best little vignettes in the whole bit. But they haven't totally come out of with that yet. And then for them to call it out this way was it was a neat little homage. But I I still hated the overgeneralization of that because I just thought, ah, why why do you have to play that card? But you know, it it serves a purpose, but but I didn't like it. So it made a lot of sense when they got to the Mrs. Holt character. Yeah. For that to be part of it, because if she's got these views on on lust and dirty, then that's going to be one major view she can't get over. So yeah, I thought it was really well done by Amber Benson in this moment, and I liked uh, Willow's reaction. Like, what's what's wrong? What did I do? You know, it was really well played. And then of course Tara um, gets uh, you know runs away, but comes back, and she's the one who senses that something is not right. The house is haunted, and they need to get Giles to get Buffy out of the room so she's really the one who figures out what's going on here and i thought that was kind of cool too because she's not really yet technically part of the scooby gang but for her to do that is a huge step for that it's the second time she's come off the bench and won the game brian you know she's like freaking robert ory from the spurs you need a three or you need somebody fouled into the next year you bring in him (laughs) that that's what she's it's really the role she's playing here that's what flashed in my head as i was watching this and I thought it, this is Tara winning the game in the last seconds again, because not only did she figure it out just like she did in Who You Are, but she's the one that's leading the spell with Giles. And I love the fact that Giles, you know, he's so reluctant to let Willow do magic, but he's t- he's all in with Tara. Because I think he can sense that the magic in her is so good and so powerful that he's not hesitant about it. And that's that's kind of neat. Yeah. To, it's a neat little side note, but it, I've I've always noted that and liked it. Yeah, and they, and they'll continue on that too. Is that they'll trust Tara to do something more than they'll trust Willow to do something, and with good reason. But I th- I think you're right. I think he knows our senses that Tara is a strong witch and has had much practice in it, and so he does tend to let her do things that he would not allow for Willow to do. Let's talk about Xander though, because this <laughs> once again Xander has a new job. He's driving a freaking ice cream truck. Now, did you notice one thing here, Jay? When they're sitting at the ice cream truck and they're in the front, there's a comic book there. And the comic book is titled Giant Insects. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> Maybe a little less for uh, Mrs. Uh, what's her name from uh, season 1? Uh, Mrs. Exactly, French. Exactly. Yeah, yes. that's what I was thinking. I'm like, yeah, exactly. that praying mantis time, baby. Well, that explains why. So maybe why Xander's still got a thing for the for the uh, insect series. Reading the comic about uh, it. Look, man, he's he's screwing an ex demon. Um, <laughs> he's the man's got job problems. The men, men are crazy when they got job problems. You and I both know this. So I mean it. And poor Xander. I mean. Gosh, he just keeps getting bounced from thing to thing to thing. And the guy can't win. I mean, he doesn't do it with Anya for two nights. And all of a sudden, he's, it's like, uh, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, wow, you know, our whole relationship's ending. And I did find that hilarious between the two of them. But poor Xander, he's just so pathetic. Yeah, I, th- I agree. I think it was it was pretty pathetic, but it's funny, too. And I like that they dig into him like that. And, I mean, honestly, how many jobs is this guy going to hold up? Is he ever going to get something steady? Well, look, to his to his credit, the pizza gig isn't paying that good, right? He got syphilis the last time he was working construction. <laughs> I mean, homeboy's got issues. Yeah, he does. And it's too bad. But that's the way things go. Xander needs a community college bad. 
So yeah, why? What the heck? Why? Why is this guy not in college? You know, I get that he probably wasn't the best student ever, but still, he's got to do something with his life. Hey, Oz got in and he flunked the whole year. You see, Tony Dell ain't exactly you know the Harvard or the West Coast here. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure he could get in at least to a tech college, but that's you know, neither here nor there. Uh, what I liked here, you know, you got Anya and she's visibly upset, and Xander's trying to figure out why, and it ends up being that they haven't had sex. They didn't have sex the night before which was only the second time in their whole relationship that they didn't have sex score one for xander wow well wow he's you know you uh, and that lets you know too that their love has not brought about the evil yet so yeah but mm-hmm. but i mean wow he, of everybody on this show it's probably safe to say xander's been getting it on more this year than anybody I would say yes. And that is a surprise in a lot of ways because <laughs> yes. he is not the usual suspect for such, as exactly. we have noted many times on this show before. But yeah, I, I do love that they have that whole argument and he's like, we'll do, we'll have sweaty, hot, nasty sex now. And like, there's all these kids and the dad standing there. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and I'm like, like uh... yes, yes, that was funny. That was a funny moment. I like that too. I thought it was good. So he shows up at the party all alone and Anya goes out and she heads to where? The freaking bronze. Why is she going to the bronze? It's the only other place she knows. I guess. I mean, it's just what does Anya weird. do when she's not hanging out with Xander? Is she working somewhere? She got demon money hanging around. What does she do? She doesn't get a job, I don't think, until season six. Yeah, I'm like, what does Anya do? I'm just curious to, or is she like Angel? She's accumulated enough crap in her life that she's just got, you know, value. You Take never know. Life. I mean, she's been around for a thousand years, so. True, true. Maybe yeah. she's got money stuffed away somewhere. She doesn't need a house either. She lives with Xander in a, in a mom's basement. Oh, that's kind of, yeah, that is kind of weird that she does. But yeah, you're right. So, or that <laughs> so, Xander's parents allow that. Let's, let's go there, but. Well, anyway. you never know. They may not know. No, this is true. They are dead <laughs> absent from his life. A little bit. So, I don't know. But they leave the... They, basically, Xander shows up at the party alone and and uh, doesn't really want to talk about what's going on. But what does he do? The first thing he does is he starts hitting on a chick at the party. That's because she starts hitting on him. Look, Xander will hit on anything with two legs, sometimes more legs. We've seen this. So, I was not surprised at all. But I also was reminded of something I said before in this retrospective. That Xander is the worst enemy to his own relationships because when he gets what he finally wants, he doesn't want it anymore. And he yes. always screws it up. And I like dead gummit again, boy. You know, are you yeah. ever going to learn? Doing? But it's, it ends up being okay here. You know, he, he's hitting on her. He's thinking he's going to, you know, maybe score a little later on. Who knows? But you, you cut away and Anya's getting, uh, terror, you know, scared crapless by spike of all people until she realizes it's spike and then he's just not scary anymore which i thought was hilarious yeah she totally calls him out on it too and they they wind up hanging out at the bronze together which you know which is sort of weird anyway but i started to listen to this and i was like so are onion spike gonna hook up while xander and redheaded random girl are hooking up now is that what's gonna happen and i would hope shamefully yes later oh don't don't spoil it it, brian let's let's not go there (laughs) but but you know what i had never noticed that before and now seeing this again i'm like Aha, somebody pinned that up on a sticky note in the writer's room and they came back to it. Uh, so, 
Unfortunately, they, this is not the last time we'll see this. But I did, I did enjoy though the banter again. The you know what I miss? I miss you know, watching them die or whatever. You know, they both are missing the ability to kill people, which I think that would be the only way Anya and Spike could relate. Absolutely, and I really like the fact that Spike is is basically popping out and scaring the crap out of people for money. <laughs> yeah, he can't fight him anymore, so he's just shaking him down now. That's that's it's hilarious. So, well, hey, man's got to do what he's got to do. You know, so. Yeah, I like that they show up to the house party together, and and Xander's just like, "What the crap are you two doing together?" And he's so pissed off at Spike that he starts yelling, "Hey, I think I see Hostel Seventeen here. It's Hostel Seventeen, <laughs> and nobody's paying attention." And Spike's just like, "Hey." Yeah, go ahead. Scream all you want. Whatever. <laughs> and he goes and hangs out. And I love when he's sitting in the chair and one of the initiative looks at him and goes, Hey, do I know you? You look familiar. And he says, Yeah, I get that a lot. <laughs> yeah, the, that the random initiative guy. And so you start to realize that all the guys that live in this house are the initiative. The initiative oh, yeah. has their own fraternity. Well, so, obviously they got the elevator built into the place. So. Yeah, the whole retinal scan, the whole bit. Yeah, it's, it's all it's all right there, which is still functioning even after their greatest creation has escaped. They're going to have a house party, but whatever. Yeah, whatever. So, they don't you know, care. They, it's, they, got, they, they weren't involved, right? They were yeah, just the, the soldiers. Yeah, they're just the soldiers. They're just, they're just doing their job. And I think that is the point here, too. It's why none of those guys ever really are noticed more than Forrest and, and – uh, Riley and a little bit of Graham is because just like a lot of other soldiers, they're just doing what they're told to do. They're just following orders. Yeah, they're just doing their exactly. thing. And so this is that, and they don't get into that much more. But yeah, I, I thought the calling out Hostel Seventeen was kind of funny. And stuff. That was hilarious. I thought, but it, it right. all really depends on Xander and Anya being able to work through their own problems so they can cut through the you know sex vines or whatever that is that's going <laughs> in front of them and wake Buffy and Riley out of there. Like, and this is all cutting in between all this stuff. Is Buffy and Riley like? will finish and then they'll look at each other and go don't stop don't stop touching me and i'm like this is getting a little well and the the crux of it is is that when they run out of energy or they call it batteries they will die right they'll basically screw do they die right so that's why they keep saying don't stop touching me please don't ever stop touching me because they have to keep going or they will die and so it's it's an interesting little paradox you know dying because you had too much sex um I can't think of worse ways to die, but you know. Yeah, and, I mean, I, I guess so. I mean, there's there's <laughs> better ways Anya. to go. There, there's worse ways to go. Yeah. Back to Xander and Anya. Xander finds Julie, who is the girl that was hitting on him and he was hitting on before, and they're playing the game Spin the Freaking Bottle. Really? Uh, in college? Really? Yeah. No. That would not be happening in college. You're playing quarters. You're playing beer pong. Yeah. Something else. You're not playing spin the bottle. Unless we're supposed to believe that because they're over, you know, everybody's being infected by the spirits of these sexually repressed children, that that's a game they would have played in the Yeah, I mean, that could be. That would make a little bit of sense to... to Well, yeah, but they don't bother to explain that. We have to figure that out, which means it's a stupid week. Xander does kind of call it out. It's kind of, what what did we revert back to our childhood days? You know, I thought that was a well... Yeah. called out thing. So that makes sense that they would kind of use the spin the bottle because they're all under the influence of these little teenage kids and that's kind of the age that does the spin the bottle. Once you get out of your teen years, you're kind of like, that's kind of lame. <laughs> but yeah, I, I would have rather them had a, a different game though. Like I even wanted to go back to the Teen Wolf game of two numbers out of the yeah. hat in five minutes in the closet. Sure. You know, I don't know. I, I was sort of 
looking for that. But poor old Julie, man, like she starts ripping her hair out by the handful and cutting her hair off. And she shaves her head. That's the worst prosthetic ever. Yeah, that, that looks pretty bad. And she runs out of there. And I'm like, oh, that is not a good look for you, dear. Ugh. But the good news is, is that Xander did not uh, go to kiss Julie, he only kissed her on the cheek before she attacked him and then got freaked out. So Xander has realized that uh, even though he and Anya technically broke up just a few minutes earlier, that he doesn't view it that way and wants to get things working again. So he goes right after Anya, basically, to find her and uh, to warn everybody else that something's going wrong in the house as well. They're all sensing that something's going on. And that's what brings us really to uh, the espresso bar that Mr. Giles <laughs> happens to be playing Behind Blue Eyes by The Who. Yes, the classic rock song. And I got to tell you, you know, we Anthony Stewart had sang, what, a couple episodes ago? And we've seen this kind of thing, and he's known to sing and all this stuff. I, I liked it. I thought it was cool. And I liked the fact that they were all traumatized by seeing it. It's like seeing your teachers at the talent whoa, show or whoa, something. Whoa, whoa, They were yeah. not traumatized here, buddy. Xander, uh, Xander was, was traumatized. was clearly traumatized. Everyone else yes. was in love, including, of oh. all people, <laughs> Tara. Yeah, yeah. The the ladies did swoon for for the classic rock god that uh, Ripper apparently was. <laughs> yes, and uh, didn't he say he was in a band or something? Like, we made that. He that mentioned joke it that, uh, with yeah. Olivia. Yeah, yeah. That he played in a band or whatever. So yeah, I mean, you could kind of buy that being from England and the age he is and stuff, that that was probably part of his childhood. I like that, that Giles is trying to discover himself, though, by going and doing something like this, because he thinks there's no way on earth the kids will ever see me do this. And then they do, and the look on his face that he gets while he's singing and playing, he's also serious, and it's like, oh, crap, what are y'all doing here? This can't be good. <laughs> and he's got that look on his face. And it's uh, it's it's a funny little uncomfortable moment. And so. now, Jay, I understand why you would not go to an open mic in your college town. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no, I, yeah, I, the side joke there that I will never play one in this town because that would happen to me and I would have the same reaction. But though I would dare say I would not sound nearly as good, nor would I play that song. So now they've got Giles basically uh, out of his uh, singing uh, to the crazed audience that he had. And uh, he's, they're all figuring out what's going on. They finally figure out what they have to do. And Tara, Willow, and Giles form a circle to kind of fend off the poltergeist. And I thought this was kind of a cool, creepy moment when all of the kids all of a sudden were there looking at them. And they're like, how do we know it works? And they all open their eyes and it's like... Oh crap. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is how. Yeah, that 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 was that was kind of tense. I liked that. I was like, "Ooh. Yeah. I see dead people and they're not happy." No, I thought it was done really well, and I was wondering, I I I liked that you got the sense of fear from all three of them that this was happening. They did not expect them to show like that, and they were scared for their lives, and rightfully so. These poultry guys had a lot of power, and once they sensed that Xander and Anya were in the house and actually making their way to the room, they flipped the candles off and the and the table that they were surrounding and and disappear and go right after these guys. And I liked that. I thought that was cool. Uh, yeah, I mean they were the most. It's the most menacing four minutes of the whole episode. Yeah, and it, it's done really well. And it lets you know that even though you've got these two powerful magicians, Tara and Giles, involved in this. They have no idea what they're up against. Absolutely. And when they realize it, what, I mean, they're really outmatched. And 
it, it did raise the stakes very quickly. Like it took an episode that had been a little goofy and kind of ham fisted in the way it, or ham handed in the way it handled its social issue and turned it into something really tense for just a few minutes. And I, I did like that. It, it, it was a good way to climax the show, shall we say. And I like how it ended too, Jay, with Anya and Xander fighting their way through. Anya basically comes to save Xander, who's being drowned, like one of the kids being baptized by uh, Mrs. Holt. And she comes and rescues him, and then they they basically grab what looked like machetes or something, and they're ca- chopping their way through this forest that has grown uh, in front of Riley's bedroom door. And they finally get there, and they they get it open. And I like that the spell's all of a sudden broken, and Buffy and Riley are just like, what the crap? What are you doing? And I like that reaction that they have. Like, they didn't know what was going on, but why Why in the hell would Xander and Anya all of a sudden open the door on them having sex? And Xander and Anya's reaction was perfect. Shrug their, or drop the, the weapons, and just, I don't even have time for this crap, and walk away. I loved it. It's exactly like we, we got to go get our own sex on now. You two just, yeah. you know, and, and what's the great though is the epilogue of that. The next day, Buffy and Riley were like, yeah, it was the most awesome thing ever. It was so intense, but it was very bad. We were very, exactly. You know, like, they, exactly. Like they, they tried to feign the, the guilt of the, uh, the thing that brought it about. Exactly. So Jay, we are now at the point of the episode where we give our dustings rating. So what is your dustings rating for season four, episode 18, where the wild things are? I'm going to give this a two dustings only because these little side gags are funny and they do work. And especially the the Xander Anya interplay really works for me. And I like the Giles, this open mic and all that stuff. Again, though, the message of this episode is that ah, bugs me, but I'll give it a two. It's not the worst thing we've seen, but it's, it's not that great either. And I'm honestly, I can't believe I'm saying this, Brian. I'm ready for him to get back to the main arc. I'm tired of it. It's clear that they don't even think it's a good, bad villain. They don't spend any freaking time with him. So, but I'm ready for him to get back to him. I'm sad to say, and we're back to two dustings. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on the dustings rating. I think it's a two dustings as well. As much as I'd like to see Sarah Michelle Geller getting it on, and I'm going to say I do because it's, it's nice, but there was just too much garbage in this episode to make it really worthwhile not enough cohesion uh between the characters to make it fun and just a lot of uh complaining about the sex and stuff that just was too much to make it interesting enough and so i'm with you i'm ready for us to resolve this whole adam thing and get it going so they really haven't done crap with it and we're at what episode 18 out of 22 and they haven't done crap with it yet and so I'm ready for something to happen. And so, yeah, I agree with you. Two dustings on this. It's a mid-two dustings. Nothing better, though. And all I can tell you is you're going to have to wait longer before they'll get <laughs> yeah, back exactly. to it. Uh. We'll, we'll talk about that next time. Thank you for tuning in to this latest episode of The Art of Slaying, our Buffy the Vampire Slayer retrospective. You can find more episodes in the archive section of our website, theartofslaying.com. You can also find links to our social media pages. You can find links to our film podcast, Filmstrip, where you can peruse through the archives of some of the movies we've reviewed and also read our latest feature from our fellow movie podcaster, Nick, Nick's Picks, where he does some reviews of the television shows he watches. Tons of content for you. You can find us on iTunes. Leave us a review. We really appreciate that. And most of all, we appreciate your listenership and support. So until next time, for Brian, I'm Jay. Thanks for tuning in to The Art of Slay.
Buffy the Vampire Slayer is the copyright of Fox Television Studios and any discussion of the characters, episodes, or music is strictly for entertainment purposes only.